all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Hello. <laughs> it's snuck up on me with that one. <laughs> you know what I did? What? I inhaled while I was speaking. Hello. Hello. It's weird. Have you ever tried? <laughs> Maybe I can do this whole podcast on an inhale. <laughs> no, I won't do that. <laughs> no, I only inhale other things. <laughs> we need like a rim shot sound effect when you like purposefully do a cheesy joke. <laughs> I'm right. We, we have an actual drum set in the we other room, do. so I can just I can just bring it in here. In sometime. future studio, once we sound perfect. Yes. Anyway, I'm Rachel, and I'm David, and this is all bad things. And we're starting off with a lot of bad things straight off the bat. <laughs> yeah, like uh, cheesy humor and yes, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I think so. I, I have an all good thing in my hand. Do you? A, a new uh, a new oh, beer. I have the same. I have to put the. I don't even know. Koozie down to find out what it is. It's, yeah, I, know it's wicked, I know it's wicked weed. Here. It's wicked weed. Cool cumber. Cool cumber. Describe it. Which uh, golden ale? It's a golden ale brewed with. Cucumbers, basil. Oh, I didn't realize basil. Okay, and uh, juniper berries. Have you tried it though? I have not. Oh, okay. Here See, you shouldn't have. You shouldn't have tried it before. I know you're not a fan of basil. I think it's really good. Oh, are you yeah. undecided? I'm, uh, I'm kind of up in the air. I'll, I'll drink okay. the rest of yours if you no, want to get another one. Oh, I'll get it. <laughs> never, I like the juniper. Never waste a beer. I thought I was going to taste more cucumber for some strange reason. See, I think that's why I like it is because I can't mm. taste a ton of... You like a lot of cucumber in beer. It's a little weird. I don't... I know. It is weird. Yeah. It's weird to infuse cucumber into a beer. But yeah. So any, that's... Wi- any, anywho. Wicked Weed out of Asheville. No longer a, an independent brewer. No. But... Oh, well. I guess you can't blame people for wanting to make money. No. That's what business is there for. All right. They still make... So, per, uh, for the well, most part. They've never been my beer. favorite. No. But if they want to sponsor us, I can say otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not yeah, true. We can be paid off, too. <laughs> if politicians can, podcasters can. Yeah, and all it's going to take is beer. <laughs> yeah. We're cheap, comparatively. Um, so last week, <laughs> I, I feel like... Thankfully, we came across better than we felt last week. I was not feeling so hot, and you had a headache, mm-hmm. and yeah, so we were a little low energy. So hopefully, we can pick it up this week as we talk about nuclear fallout. <laughs> yes, it's always it's always proper to be chipper about nuclear fallout. Yes, yes, exactly. So unless you have any business housekeeping that you wanted to discuss, I thought we'd just jump right no, in. Let's let's do it. Oh, first rate review, prescribe. And follow at All Bad Things Pod, Twitter, Insta, Facebook, and at gmail.com. Yes. Yes. We've had a lot of listener engagement. It's been really nice. Yes, we have. Yes. And I always, always answer, usually yes. within a short period of time. You are the administrator. I yes. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> you don't administer. <laughs> no, I do not. Yeah, so if you, if you see a comment, like on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, it's me. It's not. Yeah, it's not it's me. Not, it's not David. Um, you can follow David if you want on his 
Twitter to get all of his comments, especially when he gets into political debates, <laughs> which is Twitter is obviously the best forum for comprehensive political debate. Yeah, who knew you could... Uh who knew your words could be misconstrued in 256 characters or whatever right? it is now? Is mm-hmm. it too, yeah, it is something too, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Used to be half that. Yeah, it was 128. Yeah. So they doubled it. Yeah, yeah, they did. It's kind of hard to remember back when it was less, and that was just a few months ago, I feel. Yeah, something like maybe that. a year? I don't know. Yeah. Something like that. But anyway, yeah. tweet us. Yes. So Facebook us. Yes. Insta, Insta us. Insta us. Insta us. Insta us. All right, so this is part three of our 50th episode, megasode, episode anniversary. I lost it somewhere in there. <laughs> so anyway. what, what have we learned thus far up so until we, now? Well, so much about <laughs> fission. We learned about nuclear fission, which we'll not get back into. Right, we, we got our, our first Our first one was, was the danger set up sort of by getting into the history of nuclear fission, um, and radio. How nuclear power came to be. Yes. Um, last week's episode was about the actual events leading to the meltdown and including the meltdown at Chernobyl. Um, do you remember in the at the end of last week's episode, how many deaths were we at? Uh, I think it was just two. Yes. Two in the explosion. That's right, yes. So, which is a really low number. Well, because we're literally just talking about people who were killed in the mechanical part sure. of the explosion. But still, you would think at a nuclear power yeah, plant, there's got to be hundreds of people. It was literally a giant lid exploding yeah. off of a nuclear reactor and then an entire core exploding in a nuclear reactor. So, yeah, you would think that something would have landed on somebody. Yeah. So, initially, it doesn't sound people. that bad. Like, oh, okay, only two people. Yeah. Certainly could have been a hell of a lot worse. Yeah, so... But <laughs> a, hell, a hell of a lot worse is what we have in store for today. And and actually, it's going to get worse next week. So, oh, okay. So basically, um, this week's episode is going to be the initial fallout. Okay, not, then, the, not the long term. No, oh, next week okay. is going to be the long haul and the fact that it's not over. Sure, like, it is this, not. It's still ongoing, so... Um, and this is 32 years after the fact now. So this this um, disaster is almost as old as I am. So. Yes, it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's crazy. So um, something I thought that was kind of funny is that we're talking about the fallout around the time that something very exciting having to do with fallout is happening, especially for you and other gamers, the Fallout 76. Yes, we, we will get into Fallout 4 lore in this in this episode. <laughs> yeah, probably. You'll probably manage to equate a lot of this with oh, I, Fallout I, 4. I already watched a video when I was outside prepping for it. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, like we said, the biggest, um, the biggest, I, I keep wanting to say the biggest fallout <laughs> from Chernobyl, but that's, that just goes to show, like, what the word fallout has become, like, a vernacular for the aftermath of something being as bad as, like, the incident itself. Um, so, but anyway, the, the biggest the, the fallout biggest, of the fallout, the biggest fallout of the fallout or the biggest danger. Yeah, it's like, really. home, it's like Home Depot Depot. <laughs> home, de- the home Depot. What's that from? I remember that. It was from our hurricane, uh, oh, Andrew. Right. The home Depot Depot. <laughs> All right. Um, so do you know what is fallout? Like it in a nuclear the, context? Um, <clears throat> in a simplified way, I believe it is mm-hmm. just the 
is the radiation that has gotten into the atmosphere. Right, yes. That you yes. can uh-huh. really only detect with a Geiger counter. Well, so a Geiger counter is something that can um, that can detect radiation. There are other other devices, oh, um, okay. like I a dosimeter, which we'll oh, discuss. I don't even know um, what that, that is. can also read radiation. You're right that a Geiger counter can, but there are other devices that also detect radiation. But you're right. Yeah, it's not like now. I shouldn't say that. Anyway, let's get into this, and then we'll get a little <laughs> more clear. So you're right. Um, it's called fallout because when there's a nuclear bat- blast, tons of particles of radioactive active ma- material are shot really high up into the atmosphere and then fall back down, right? Like, um, remember when we did A Year Without a Summer? The yes. volcanic <clears throat> ash like got into the atmosphere, got carried off, and then fell back down. So that's yeah. why there's like black snow in certain parts of the world. Also, I don't know about um, Nagasaki. I'm going to assume mm. this maybe happened as well, but I know that in Hiroshima, mm-hmm. um, not too long after the bomb detonated, because it actually detonated in the air, it did not detonate on land. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, um, a black rain uh-huh. happened soon thereafter, uh-huh. and people were kind of relieved just to. The people who survived the initial bomb were kind of relieved. Oh, it's raining! Like I'm hot, and this. Oh, they but it's radioactive just, material. Yes. Yeah. So they were being exposed to high levels of radiation uh, again. Yeah, re-exposed. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Um, also, fallout can just be the radioactive material itself that doesn't necessarily go up into the atmosphere. Like, remember last week we were talking about how chunks of graphite from the nuclear reactor's core mm-hmm. at Chernobyl were like. Exploding Deposited up and falling into the, down. Yeah. Into the air. Mm-hmm. Um, Fallout is also an exciting video game series. <laughs> yes, as we know. Please do check it out. <laughs> so, in the case of Chernobyl, the fallout was actually visible to people who lived and worked nearby. So, they could actually see the radioactive cloud oh, initially. God, really? I didn't yeah, know that. Because if you imagine, like, especially graphite and stuff, the parts that exploded into tiny bits, graphite is a dark material. Sure. Like, it's a metal type. Sure. Well, not a metal, but, you know, like, pencil lead is say, actually not lead. It's graphite. Graphite, so. yeah. Um, so, but, but it's, the, the biggest thing is that it's not just graphite or whatever and not nuclear fuel or whatever, but radioactive isotopes. So this is the this is the actual radioactive harmful material that's in here. But we're going to get into that a little bit later. Um, this is kind of the so, setup so, here. So, some more physics for kids coming later. <laughs> um, but something that's going to be important just to note here at the top before we get into like the reaction and the cleanup and the uh, emergency response and everything is to note that this happened in the USSR in the Soviet Union in 1986. So a lot. Uh, it, th- that colors a lot of the story because obviously propaganda was in full swing in the Soviet Union at this point. So expe- expectations were not and are not looking back, you know, that everything was transparent and properly communicated. And so there's like a lot of things like our very first Soviet disaster that we covered was uh, Dyatlov Pass, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot of big question marks because a lot of shady shit was happening. I mean, a lot of shady stuff happens in every government, but especially communist governments in um, command or, or economies. <gasps> well, oh, very no. nice. Do you yes. see what I was yes. dropping on you? Yes. A little word, for, a little term from my macroeconomics class. Very nice. Command economy. Yes. Do you know the other two types of economies? Uh, supply and demand. 
market economy, I think yeah, is what capitalism. you're... Yes, market economy. Uh-huh. And then traditional, meaning that things are distributed according to tradition. Like, a, like barter and... Well, stuff. yeah, like, um, I guess it, it, a lot of people call it uncivilized societies or whatever, but the, where the economy actually hinges more on tradition than it does on supply and demand or on the government saying one thing or the other. Hey, uh, if if there was a tradition in America of turning in bottle caps to get what you needed, <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be all for that. I'd be rich. Well, we, mean, we, I'd we'd be rich. We, we are married. I, yeah, I would be rich and I would share. I popped a lot of those bottle caps myself. <laughs> you did. That entitles me to fifty percent of what she earns. <laughs> anyway, so we just have to keep in mind this was a, a a communist government. So a lot of the information might either be iffy, yeah, or difficult at, at, to pin down. I would say iffy is is your best expectation. There's going to be a lot of estimates moving forward, and it's not just because of the fact the Soviet Union was a, a communist country, but that um, it it's very difficult to judge the full effects of fallout, especially on this scale. You sure. know, so anyway, let's move on. Fallout or no, nuclear meltdown or no, there was an immediate emergency, right? Yes. This stuff, uh, the graphite was on fire. There were fires all around this this building. Well, plus, uh, also, Chernobyl is not only a, a nuclear power plant, it's also a community. The town of Chernobyl, yeah. right. So people there are, are people obviously around. seeing what's going on. And, right, right. And they're mm-hmm. going to either act themselves or call people who call emergency services right. or whatever actually yeah. even well both right. I'm assuming they'll do both right not only that but obviously the plant itself must have had some sort of alarm system oh, I'm sure. to call emergency yes. services automatically or just someone at the plant saw it or whatever so there was an emergency response like a first responder yes. response this is the little i do know about it okay. from what i've seen all right so and it was a huge fuck up well so Two, two guys did die in the actual blast, but obviously there were a lot of other workers there in, in, in the building four by reactor four and just the whole plant. Um, and one of the things that they did, these workers, was try to figure out what the radioactivity levels were, right? They knew it was a risk that things were going to be bad, you know, that there was a fallout um, because... Obviously, I would think anyway that your first concern, if you're working in a power plant and there's an explosion, you're, the first thing that pops into your head is, holy shit, was that a, a meltdown? Not, oh, did, like, was there just some sort of random explosion in the blah, 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 or whatever, you know? I would think the first, you, your mind always goes to the worst case scenario, right? So their minds were probably like, shit, was there a meltdown? In a workplace environment like that, yes. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, now, remember, at this point, they didn't completely know what had happened. They were trying to figure out, was this a meltdown? So, But it wasn't necessarily being taken for granted. So what they did was they... So there's, there's a device called a dosimeter. I, I mentioned it earlier when you mentioned a Geiger counter. It measures ionizing radiation. Because that's not something... Well, we obviously talked about, you know, you, you can't see it. Sure. You can't detect it. On a, Humans can't detect it. So you need a reader, uh, radio, a radiation, a radioactivity reader. That's what oh, okay. I was looking for. It's kind <laughs> of like radiation. The, kind of like the real world. Real world. That's <laughs> yeah. hard to say. Yes. 
And obviously, this is a power plant. There were a lot of dosimeters around, so so they were I they had hope. that instrumentation. I, like I said, right. I didn't even know what, that that was a thing, but now that I know what it does, you I would, would think you'd I would have hope one. they'd be you'd have be a like few. one on in every corridor <laughs> at of least, that plant. Yeah. right? The, uh, so the thing is, like, there's an eyewash station in every yeah, exactly. corridor where, where I work. Exactly, exactly. So the problem is, there are some dosimeters that are able to read smaller levels than others. So, like, not all dosimeters are created equal. Just like, you know, like if you have, I don't know, if you take your temperature with a normal thermometer, and it'll tell you within a tenth of a degree what your temperature is, but obviously your temperature is not that exact. It's rounding. So kind of same thing. There are more sensitive dosimeters, more powerful ones than others. The two most powerful dosimeters were out of commission out of the bla- after the blast, one was okay. buried by the debris sure, and the sense. explosion, and the other one just malfunctioned. It wouldn't turn on. So they were left with the weaker dosimeters, which could only read radiation levels up to, okay, now here's where we're going to get into the technical terminology, 0.001 rontgens per second. That is how radioactivity is measured. You know, oh, okay. like uh, pounds per square inch or meters or per second or parts whatever. Parts per million. Yes. When, when, uh, uh, Determining carbon. Yeah, so it's yeah. rontgens per second. Okay, is is how um, uh, how uh, radiation is measured. Not so, not in the Fallout game series. So well, I, mean, I and, do not know. Well, and this is only certain types of radiation. There's other ways to read it, but anyway. <laughs> Later. See how many plugs I can get into the game. Maybe, <laughs> maybe send, Bethesda maybe, will. Uh, yes, I'm going to start tweeting everybody at Bethesda. There you go. Yes. They might. Yeah, you never know. Plus, maybe we can get in at uh, um, Epic. They're, yeah, they're local. Is, they're yeah, around the corner. Right around the corner. Us, yeah. So. Yes, Epic Games is also welcome to um, sponsor us. Yes. <laughs> so later, it was estimated that the highest levels of radiation at the Chernobyl plant, so this is going to be a bit of, like, mathy stuff, but we'll break it down. Mathy and science-y. Yes. And the physics- level- physics-y. <laughs> The level of radiation at the Chernobyl plant after the explosion, the highest levels, were about 5.6 rontgens per second, which translates to 20,000 rontgens per hour. Okay, now that obviously is just a bunch of numbers, but here's what a... (laughs) Either way, way it's bad. Okay, but listen to this. 20,000 rontgens per hour is what it was. A lethal dose of radiation is about 500 rontgens over five hours. So this was exponentially higher. So four... Oh, I didn't even bother trying the math. I knew I would get it wrong. It's like 400%? More than that. that. More than that. 4,000%? 500 per hour, but this was over five Five hours. hours. So not only is it... 20,000 to 500. We're not going to do it. If we have any mathematicians listening, feel free to do the math for us and we'll we'll shout you out. But um, so some workers were exposed to fatal radiation doses in under a minute after the blast. They were basically gone. They're done. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, because of the. And and they probably know it. That's the. Well, the problem is they didn't. Well, let's keep going. Okay. Um, So because of the fact that they couldn't accurately read the levels of radiation. And humans can't detect it on their own. The the readings they got from the less powerful dosimeters didn't indicate the actual levels of radiation. So 
But they didn't... Oh. The dosimeters basically weren't telling them the real story. Okay. They they were reading lower than this level of danger. So the, it, it was their initial thought um, was that the reactor had not exploded. Oh. That the, that the core had remained intact. That's not good. Um, because these readings were so low that it would not have indicated a nuclear meltdown. So Reactor 4 Crew Chief Alexander Akimov, or Akimov, probably something like that, sure. um, initially assumed that the reactor had not blown because of the faulty reading of the first dosimeter that they used. So... <sighs> I don't know. Maybe it could be forgiven, but it, it feels like it was really darned ignorant that there were chunks of graphite from the core of the reactor and reactor fuel all around this area. And they were ignoring it as evidence that the reactor blew. They were like, oh, well, the dosimeter didn't say, doesn't indicate it, so it must not be a problem. You also have to take into account, because what it kind of makes me think of is um, Russians are a very, and especially in this time, even before that, Russians are a very, seem to me as composed and very kind of... Stoic. Yes, actually, that's the best. That's the, that's the best word for it. I would agree that. That's and don't the... necessarily seem to panic. Um, they don't seem to be like a very reactionary type of society. You know, well, kind of. Fair enough, but there's yeah. a difference between not being reactionary and not responding properly. I don't. No, think I, they were... I understand, but I'm I'm saying like, like the I have no idea because I've never even been there. Mm-hmm. But from what I get from. Uh, historical stuff about Russia and stuff like that, people just kind of, they kind of just, you know, take their punches and move on. Like, it's just not a... But here's the problem. They were specifically in there trying to figure out if the reactor blew. Sure. They got a faulty dosimeter reading. Okay, understood. They can't detect the level of radiation themselves. But they're ignoring the other evidence around them, and it's going to get worse. Are you ready? No, it's going to get worse. Okay. okay. I was I was just going to say maybe not necessarily ignoring, but they're just going off the data that they've got. And that's not the only data they had. Oh, okay. So they used another dosimeter to take another reading, which specifically said like the levels were indi- indicative that yes, there was a meltdown. They decided that they would trust the first dosimeter. Ignore the evidence and ignore the second dosimeter reading. That's not good. So they were, like, initially maybe mistaken information and just not wanting to believe it or shock or something. But then they they knew the truth. And at that point, I don't know, denial. Well, or did they? They have two different pieces of information. I'm I'm just I'm just. Would trying you to, not assume the worst? At that but point? I'm just I'm just trying to give these people the benefit of the doubt. That's I'm. Okay. Yeah. Well, Alexander Akimov is very grateful for that, even though he's probably dead. I think he's dead. I feel I'm like gonna, I looked at. I'm gonna guess most of the people. Well, so we're gonna get into the, the bulk of like dead. the death counts next sure. week. So sure. Um, I know usually we put it right up top, but we didn't, and it's actually gonna be the last thing that we do sure. is cover the death. Well, makes so. sense. Yeah. In this in this uh. Disaster. So anyway, they were operating on the erroneous assumption that the reactor had not melted down, that this was an unrelated, or not that it was unrelated to the reactor, but that the core was intact, that radiation hadn't gotten out, at least not to these horrible, um, deadly levels. 
So because they were making those erroneous assumptions, um, Akimov and his crew were basically just wandering about this fallout site with no protective gear, or at least none that would work for radiation. So they were getting full-fledged massive radiation dosages from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Now, aside from there being radiation and lethal doses all around, um, and yes, they were in denial about this initially, there was the fact that there were still burning fires around here. So that's an immediate danger. Obviously, the radiation is an immediate danger. It will become a, a... a lingering danger, but there were fires. Somebody's got to come and put those out. Exactly. So who comes and put them out? Firefighters. And local firefighters arrived just a few minutes after the meltdown. The meltdown was at 1.23 a.m. on April 26, 1986. Well, they I'm sure that they had an alarm system exactly, going to them. Exactly. Yeah. They arrived five minutes later at yeah. 1.28. So yeah. they were, like, on it. Um, and more crews arrived, like, over the next 20 to 30 minutes, All of these firefighters got right to work doing their job, putting out fires. However, and disturbingly, none of them were told explicitly that the smoke and all of the debris was radioactive. So now here's where it gets a little, the, the, the accounts differ. Some people, I'll bet bet they do. (laughs) Some people say that a lot of the firefighters thought that they were just responding to an electrical fire initially. So they weren't protecting themselves. They weren't, you know, they didn't have protective gear. But there were firefighters, including one firefighter named Anatoly Zakharov, who apparently knew that they were in danger. He said specifically, that they felt a, quote, moral obligation to help. And um, he actually compared himself and his fellow firefighters to kamikaze. As in, we know this yeah, shit gonna, is dangerous, we're helping die. anyway. Well, knowing they're going to die. But apparent, but again, this is debatable. Sure. Apparently some people maybe knew what was going on or assumed what was going on. But apparently they weren't explicitly told that this was going on. So maybe it was a choice for some of them. Maybe it wasn't. I, I don't know. Um, and, and probably they all fell somewhere along that spectrum of either knowing and understanding and doing it anyway, or, or just going in there innocently thinking they were just doing their job, you know, not realizing they were exposing themselves. So the first order of business for the firefighters was protecting reactor three, which was the closest remaining reactor to reactor four, the one that exploded. Obviously they don't want these fires. They don't want the other ones to go off. Yeah, exactly. They still have four, three live reactors. They definitely don't want to melt down. So um, by 5 a.m., so just like three and a half hours later, they had contained most of the fires and they were all out within about five hours. So by 6.35 a.m., um, all the fires were out except one. And that fire was the fire inside the reactor itself. Oh, sh- the yeah, core I'm sure. Was because still it's burning. fucking hot as the sun, pretty much. And it would keep burning oh, man. until May 10th. Oh my god. 15 days it burned. They dumped tons of sand and bor- neutron absorbing boron from helicopters into like to try and dump it into the sure. reactor like like water except not, you know, it, it was is meant to be a um oh what do you call it when you put shit on a fire? What's the th- shit you put on the fire called? The um retardant. Retardant. Oh, I That's was, the word. I thought you meant like the smoke. 
no, fire no, extinguishers, the, the whatever those. Well, are yeah, called. that's a fire retardant. Sure. Yes. Um, I, I don't know what goes into them, but um, but that actually comes out of them. <laughs> <laughs> but that actually didn't do much good. None of it actually got into the core. So they just dumped tons of shit, but it didn't really do anything. But they tried. They were they were doing their best anyway. The first responders ultimately ended up with the brunt of the initial radiation oh, exposure, sure. aside from the I'm workers. Sure. With some hypothesizing <clears throat> that they were exposed to even more radiation than the victims of Hiroshima. Wow. So it was bad. Yeah, because they're going right into it. Right into it right after it. Yeah. So. Because for all anybody in Hiroshima knew is that it was a fucking bomb that exploded. Mm-hmm. They didn't really, nobody on Earth, and except, except the people the, who yeah. dropped the bomb realized. And a couple of um, politicians, basically. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, or, or military person. Fuck. Yeah. So, oh man. Now, it only took about an hour or so for first responders to start demonstrating signs of radiation poisoning. Oh, Jesus. Um, now, and we talked about the effects of radiation poisoning, mm-hmm. um, the vomiting, the flu-like mm-hmm. symptoms, the bleeding, stuff like that. Um, there was a kind of, I put this in here because it sounded fun to tell, I don't know. There was a very sensationalist <laughs> account that um, fun, some fun with radiation well, no, no, exposure. Listen to this, and you'll you'll see what. <laughs> okay. um, there there were accounts that um, people who are exposed to the radiation as first responders that their eyes changed from brown to blue, like their eyes changed color. Okay. I don't know did, if that. Did they? I, it's it's accounts. Witness accounts that may or may not be true. I don't know. Hey, that's not very funny because when the bombs fell in two thousand seventy. Oh, <laughs> six in Fallout Four. Some people turned into super mutants and ghouls. Oh, did their eyes change color? Their whole thing, their whole physicality no, 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 changed. No, but their eyes. I'm gonna guess the ghouls. Yeah, okay. their eyes probably changed to black. Oh, okay. Oh, well, fair enough. Well, then I guess it's true. Yeah. Not, we just, we just. Not very funny. Yeah. Um, a little more believably, the first responders who died. There are accounts that they may have been buried in lead coffins, which kind of makes sense to try not to well, leak sure. the radiation in them. Yeah, mm. I, that's anyway. That's actually smart thinking. Yeah. Other workers developed radiation sickness in the following days, like it sure. took a while to kick God. in. Oh, so yes, man. internal and external burns that just yeah. appeared, um, bleeding from the mouth, mm. the eyes, and the rectum, mm-hmm. and skin blistering. Oh, just to name a few. Not not only that, but the, the nausea, the the vomiting, the, the coughing. Yeah. No. So you're going to die in like one of the most painful and horrible ways possible. At best, at worst, you're just going to keep suffering. <laughs> That's true. Or develop cancer. Or, yeah, yeah, true. So, anyway. Yeah, yeah, you're probably hoping to die at that point. Right. So, of course, one would think at this point, when it's becoming clear what happened, um, oh, yeah, you probably should have counted on that second dosimeter, not the first one. People are showing signs of radiation sickness. The fallout is literally visible and you're talking about an explosion at a fucking nuclear power plant, you would think that one of the first orders of business for an emergency response would that they would evacuate and get the fuck out of there, all non-essential people, and that they would, that they would like, fortify the shit out of the people who were working there, right? Sure. Um, and, yeah. that, and that everybody else, I, I'm going to guess... I don't know what good they would have done or what the technology was in 1986 
uh, Soviet Russia. Mm-hmm. But you would think that the um, essential staff that had to stay behind, right. their first order of business would be to suit up in whatever... Suit up iodine, whatever the shit, Whatever. Right? Uh-huh. Obviously, firefighters had to come because you had to protect the other reactors. Right. So you would think that... Well, let's do the civilian response okay. first. So All right. You would think the first thing that they would have done is get anyone who lived nearby out. Out. Yeah. Right? Um, well, there... Um, like, the, you see that yellow cloud in the sky, just ignore that. Well, as we've learned about emergency response in extreme disasters, very rarely is the proper response actually taken. <laughs> or true. maybe not very rarely, but well, certainly not always. Right. Certainly not always. Say, yeah. So in the case of Chernobyl, there was a bit of confusion that arose because of who was in charge of the power plant. So it was located in modern-day Ukraine, right? So this was the USSR, but it was located in modern-day Ukraine, as we discussed in the first episode, um, near the border with Belarus. Um, but even though it was in Ukraine, the, bi- the plant itself was run by the government in Moscow. So much farther away, right? But because it wasn't geographically located near Moscow, authorities there didn't really get the word about it until about 9 a.m. So like Holy seven and a half hours after the fact. when And, it was, and after the initial fires, for the most part, contained. Yes, they were out, except yeah. for the one at the reactor mm-hmm. core. Um, and, and at that point, when they did hear about it, it was just presented as, oh, it was a fire, it's under control, we're cool. So... This is what the people in Moscow are hearing. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. okay just to be... Now... Apparently, that didn't last very long before the scope started becoming apparent because that same day, the, Mo- the Moscow authorities managed to get an investigative commission up and running. So April 26th, there was already like, what the fuck happened? Now, that may- maybe that was because of fires at a power plant. Shit, we need to investigate this. Or, I mean, obviously, they found out what actually happened at some point. But again, this falls under the... When did they know and how did they know it? Well, if they control it, I would guess there would... But They didn't you, but, control it. They well, sure, ran it. They sure. were the... But you would think uh, fire, whatever, you would think just initially, okay, send a guy just to... Well, it yes, would be, it would they be started current. a full-fledged investigative commission. That's different than okay, sending a guy. Okay, that's true to find out what's... Yeah, yeah. okay. I was going to say that would probably be like an automatic response as to... Sure, send somebody, send somebody but to, this sounds like it got way serious way so, fast. Sounds like somebody so. got a phone call at some point and yeah. told them what the fuck was really happening. Because of the miscommunications and the lack of proper response, people, just citizens, just normal people, residents in the immediate vicinity were not immediately evacuated. And life continued on as normal oh, as man. that morning of the 26th began. For a few hours, anyway. I was going to say, so this shit's hanging out in the atmosphere. Because it it only took a few hours for people to start getting sick. And the main things that happen, coughing, vomiting, which we talked about, headaches, and tasting metal, which is apparently a big, like, yes, um, of radiation. People who have been through radiation treatment have said uh said that. that, Well, that you can't really taste anything. Oh. Oh, I I remember waiting on a woman who... Mm-hmm. Was just coming off of her last uh, radiation um, treatment yes. for cancer. Mm-hmm. It, she had it like two days before, and she was like, 
she was, we at the time we it was so stupid. We served like a five patty burger. This is when I worked at Tiernan. <laughs> uh-huh. I can't remember what it was called or whatever. But it was impressively large and completely unnecessary. Right. It was basically like a gimmick. <laughs> Impress- but- <laughs> I like that. Impressively large and completely unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. But uh, and it was kind of like a gimmick, you know? Uh-huh. Like, we have this thing. Right, sure. But she Like or- a man versus food. Right. Of, but know. she ordered it, and she ate the whole fucking thing. Because well, she was like, she was like, this is the first time in months I've been able to taste-, taste anything. Oh, man. And you probably, yeah. if, if you couldn't taste food, would you really want to eat? You'd I, you'd have yeah. to just to stop like sure. hunger. You're right. But would you ever want? Would you want to eat more if than you absolutely had if to? Everything tasted like lead. Just, or nothing. Or yeah, or just just bland. Just like you lost your taste. That would be mm. awful. Well, if I ever get cancer, then I'm not having radiation <laughs> oh, treatment. <laughs> we're not even going there. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Everybody gets cancer. So people were. <laughs> that's. <laughs> That's not, that's taken out of context. <laughs> it is. Um, so, basically, people were getting radioactivity poisoning in nearby towns within a few hours of the meltdown. So they oh, couldn't sure. hide it for no. long, right? But it took a solid 24 hours after the meltdown for them to decide to start evacuating <laughs> The people living nearby. Yeah, you see that group of people over there that are bleeding out of their ass? <laughs> uh, we'll get them out eventually. Well, by that time, two people, two citizens had already died of radioactivity sure. poisoning. Others were sent to the hospital. Yeah. 52 was the figure I got, but I have a feeling that's oh, highly um, underreported. Anyway. Yeah. The evacuate, so they decided 20 probably, within. Probably put that number times 10. So they decided within 24 hours, okay, we're evacuating but they waited another 12 to actually do it. I mean, God. I get it. That's a lot. It's a lot of people to evacuate. You have to get, like, the logistics set up. But, but you'd think that would be set up ahead of time. These people live <laughs> at a fucking nuclear power plant. Essentially, they don't live at it. Right. They, they, they're they in, in direct the, vicinity, yeah, vicinity of it. So very close vicinity. You would think um, that all these... And again, I don't know how 1986 Soviet Russian... Right, right. You know, I don't... Logic know. works. Uh, well, or just like regulations, like did they yeah. even have... Yeah, a, a plan right. in place, yeah. Well, I know that um, when I lived in Fuquay, Verena, that is actually the name of a town near Raleigh here, <laughs> um, Fuquay Vagina, or Fuquay Verena, <laughs> um... Uh, which is closer than we are now. We are here in Raleigh um, to the Sharon Harris power plant. We would get postcards and little... The iodine pill. Well, no, we didn't get the actual pills. They said they would distribute them in case. And it's like, oh, yeah, how are you going to do that? It's like, why don't you just distribute them with the stupid postcard and I'll I'll keep it in the medicine cabinet if I need it. That was all interesting. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, because they're they're like, they cost $2,000 a pill. (laughs) Fuck you people. So in the end, they evacuated about 135,000 people. Holy shit, there was that many? Vicinity. There were more. That oh was just in God. the immediate vicinity. Wow. Yeah, I mean, this is Russia. This is a highly well, populated country. sure, but I didn't country. realize it was that many people in that area. Yeah. Wow. So, so they did, um, and they told people, look, this is going to be short. Just bring enough stuff for like a few days. You're going to get to come home. Oh, they so never, never came went home. back. Nope. 
people who left their belongings 32 years ago, their shit They're is still, still there. sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, like imagine you're like, okay, well, I don't need my, um, just anything superfluous. Like, I, I just don't need my, grab some clothes. And, well, obviously, you're going to take your phone in modern well, day. In modern That's the first day. thing. But you're not gonna, we're not going to take our computer. No. We're not going like to take our TV. belongings, yeah. I'm probably going to take my PlayStation <laughs> and hope somebody else has a TV, and then we could hook it up, you know, at we some point together. We would take our, our, like, personal electronics and um, our safe box, because that has yes, all, like, that has documents all our, yeah. and shit. And clothes and whatever, but yeah, everything else, your photos, your... Yeah, that's, like, you're leaving that shit behind. Your other stuff, not our kitties. Our kitties would come with us. Yes, of course. Yeah, absolutely, so... And one of them would have to carry the PlayStation. But. <laughs> we'll just shove it in there yes. in the case with them, in the carrier with them. Yeah, well, Demetrius, he loves to lay on it. <laughs> yes, he does like laying on the PlayStation. He likes being warm. He also likes lying in the sun. Oh, along with a copy of Fallout 4. Yeah. <laughs> So it should come as no surprise that since, like, the communications within the USSR were so delayed, you know, between um, Chernobyl and Moscow and everything, because we are indeed talking about a communist government here, the Soviet Union was was in, in a rush to inform the international community that they had just experienced a nuclear <laughs> meltdown, no. right? So I want you to take a shot in the dark. How... Was it eventually revealed, either voluntarily or otherwise, um, that this happened? How did the international community discover this? I honestly don't know. I just remember being, um, I remember being, I remember when it happened. I was a little kid. Um, I was nine years old. Mm -hmm. But I remember that it happened because the fact that there was a nuclear fallout in Russia, and at the time we were nuclear superpowers, Mm -hmm. was a big fucking deal. Yeah. Like, I remember, I just remember yeah. seeing it on the news and stuff like that. Okay. You know? But I don't remember how it came to be. Well, this is this is a pretty funny, funny, terrible story. Okay. So, they were working on the fires, staging the evacuations, and they were doing all this without really letting the rest of the world in on what was going oh, on. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Right? So, this is like hours are going by. Um, so, on April 28th, Two days after this entire... In fact, it was in the evening, so it was pretty long after. Like, uh, what's uh, 24 plus 24? Like 60 hours later, something like that. Alarms started going off at the Forsmark nuclear power plant in Sweden. Ah. Indicating that there were high levels of radioactive material being detected. Now, obviously, their first reaction was like, Is it our Shit, own planet? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Where is the radioactivity here? Um, but they quickly determined, this isn't coming from us. This is coming from the atmosphere. And they pretty quickly homed in. How exactly? I'm not sure. Well, they probably... Devised like where are the closest nuclear power plants to yep. us? Yep, and they called the Soviet government, and they're like, um, "No shit." So, what do you know about these high levels of radiation we're detecting? And uh, the and this, the guy on the other end of the phone's, "What's radiation? I've never even heard of it." That's Nuc- nuclear basically power. What happened? Yeah, the U.S. What's that? The USSR flat out lied <laughs> and said course. that. Oh, who, us? No. At this point, they're already evacuating people. Yeah. No, 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 no. 
no, it wasn't us. It wasn't us. Yeah, and they're being evacuated to Sweden. That's it. That's a, that's <laughs> no, a, that's, well, I'm kidding. That's not true. That's the thing that Swedish guy on the phone doesn't know. <laughs> well, the thing is, there's a, there's a horde of super mutants and ghouls headed his way. <laughs> the thing is, the Swedes had none of it. Like they had zero tolerance for that shit. They knew what was going on, and they're like, "Look, motherfuckers, we are reporting you to the International Atomic Energy Authority, yes. the IAEA." And so the Soviets basically had the choice. Say that of either. in a Swedish accent. Try it. What the international? What you just said no to the guy. Like like we're reporting you. We are reporting to the International Atomic Energy Authority. Energy Authority. If I have to chew through my wooden shoes, you will be reported. Sven and Johan, we are reporting you right now. That was maybe too Russian. That was like that was like a Russian. <laughs> it was Swedish Russian or guy. German. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like we're doing. It was a Russian guy who grew up in Sweden, but now is in Germany. I feel like Swedish and little more like these, <laughs> like the Swedish chef. Anyway, thank you for we listening. Apo- we apologize no, no, no. to our listeners in Sweden. Dear Swedish listeners, thank you for hanging in there. We we understand if you can't listen to us anymore. That was obviously highly insulting. But here's the thing. I love hockey, by the way. <laughs> And I cheer on the few Swedish players we have in the Hurricanes. Well, wasn't the first round pick in the NHL draft? The first overall pick was a Swede. Yes. That's that's not uncommon, though. Uh, Dahlin is his last name. Dahlin. Yeah, Jonas. We'll just go with Jonas. Sure. Jonas. Sorry Um, sorry again, Sweden. (laughs) Anyway. So, basically, the Soviets had the option of either the Swedes would go to the international, the, the IAEA, and be like, these fuckers... Or the USSR could do it themselves. So the USSR obviously did it themselves. Um, (laughs) Very reluctantly. Very reluctantly and very minimally. So they basically gave very little information. They're like, look, (laughs) yeah, yeah, this happened. We're handling it. They gave no information about the impact, about the evacuations, about casualties, nothing. Is there anybody bleeding in the ass? No. (laughs) But what's more... They they gave a uh, they they had a specific tactic that's very effective um, and very typical of something that they did um, where they pointed out other countries' past disasters specifically. They pointed out Three Mile Island. Sure, because that US, happened, which happened uh, seven years before. I was going to say that happened in the seventies. I think it happened in the sixty nine. Mm, um, no, no, no. David, I look this up. Please, let's not get into another. No, I'm argument. just saying. But um, seven years. Before. 79, not That's 69. That's what I'm saying. Okay, Seven okay. years before. Well, don't say no, no, no. Just say the right year, damn it. Do I have to put on my wooden shoes? <laughs> we got into such a debate last week. Have we learned nothing? You guys didn't have to listen to it because I cut it all out. It was so much nothing. No, just the math threw me off. Okay, I was just like, anyway, That's all I was saying. 79. Jesus, sorry. Yeah, 70 fucking nine. Let's move on. Yeah. Anyway. I'll bet my wooden shoes. <laughs> Anyway, in their announcement about the disaster, something that was a bit of a tell that the Soviets did was that they mentioned that they were setting up a commission to investigate this whole thing. Now, what that did was it tipped off people in the USSR that things were serious. They wouldn't it's do like, that. Like until, if you're not serious, if this isn't serious, it seems like why, no is deal, why is there a commission? Yeah, exactly. Then. This is a creepy thing. So imagine you're living in the USSR. Maybe you're close to Chernobyl. Maybe you're not. But you hear this government statement that's like, yes, there was this, you know, we had a blast at the at Chernobyl. 
um, we're handling it. We're, we're helping people who need help. We're treating people who need treatment. We're, we're starting a commission. Like, you know, like, <laughs> okay, let's not, let's not emphasize that part. We're starting a commission. <clears throat> right, exactly. Sorry. <laughs> and so you're like, anyway. uh-oh, a commission, that seems, that, that seems a little disturbing. And then, as you're listening to the radio, classical music comes on afterwards. Do you know what the Soviets used classical music for? Every time something horrible happened in the Soviet Union, they would play classical music on the radio to try and calm people down before they started saying, like, okay, we're all fucked. So it was a really, like, Pavlovian thing. I kind of understand. I, I, yeah. Like, okay, let's all calm down. I, I understand the need to calm people down, but... If you know that that's meant to calm you down and that something horrible is about to happen, wouldn't that have the exact opposite response? Or elicit the exact opposite response? If there's ever a fallout at our local share in Harris Plant, I want to hear a tool on the radio before they tell me that we're all fucked. Because <laughs> that'll calm you down. <laughs> yes, it will. All have right. You, have you seen me listen to Tool? I'm very calm. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> all right. So, for reference, oh, actually, wait a second. Let me make sure. Nope, nope. You don't get to see this picture until the end. Sorry. So, in other words, the speech that this guy gave, like, over the radio, or was it over radio, TV, probably everything? Yeah, all the emergency broadcast. It's all state run, right? True. So, yeah. Yeah. So, it wasn't exactly as inspiring as, like, John F. Kennedy's. (laughs) No. You know, uh, ask not what you can do for your (laughs) country. Or, no, ask not what your country can do for you. <laughs> ask what you can do for your country. I'm pretty sure we've quoted that like 16 times on this podcast. No, we? we did the one about the, the decade. Oh, the we decade. Will, yeah. We'll go to the, <laughs> the Apollo. We'll yeah. go to the moon and do the other thing, which I don't know what that meant. What is the other thing? Like, know. that's never been explained. <laughs> But like I just, the but I just, um, military industrial complex, one I of those guess. vague presidential things. But ever since like the first time I heard that speech, like when I was like a little kid, I've always called it a decade. <laughs> just <laughs> no, because you haven't. Not in normal speech. If you're making fun of it, yeah. Yeah. But not that's not how you normally pronounce it. It is. No, it's not. How you often, say decade. How often do I say decade? You say decade. <laughs> Let's move on. All right. So Sorry, we're having too much fun with the fallout part apparently, of this, this episode. This was so this research was really tough to do. I think part of it is I'm getting a little tired of Chernobyl. <laughs> this is our first four-parter. We've only ever done two. Mm-hmm. So this is a long time to be spending on one topic. And as someone with ADD, like, this this is a little bit of a slog. I had to, um, yesterday when I was at the office and having to finish it, I had to go out. I, I went to Baba Ganoush down the corner mm-hmm. and got, like, a veggie platter. And I ended up gorging on, like, hummus and Baba Ganoush and grape leaves and tabbouleh yeah, and falafel at all. just to keep going. So, in other words, what we're trying to tell you is once we're done with this, our following episode will be ten minutes long. <laughs> well... You're doing the research for it, right? So however long you you end up with it, yeah. (laughs) Twenty minutes. We're we're doing a reverse bad thing (laughs) in a couple weeks. Anyway, let's get into the cleanup efforts. So they've evacuated people. They've dealt with the first. Evacuated how many was it? Like one hundred thirty-five thousand people. Did I say million before? No, no. Okay, good. Good. I was like, wait, did I? Yeah. Okay. So this was obviously a massive undertaking. A huge amount of radiation had gotten into the atmosphere. This is a dangerous site itself. Imagine dealing with the problem itself, which is there's radiation that's gotten out. Yeah. 
And on top of that, having to move essentially the size of a small city. Uh, not not or tiny. like a mid size yeah. for America, like yeah. uh, smaller mid. Like imagine having to move a significant like city. Yeah, imagine having to move. Well, carry is a little over a hundred thousand people, right? Oh, I think it might. Is it more? It might be more. Anyway. I don't know. We clearly don't know population sizes, but yeah. Um, so people had been initially just wandering all over the place in the plant. But finally, they fucking wised up and realized that no way, no how could human beings just be gallivanting around this disaster scene. I love that word. Gallivanting? Yes. Okay, I'll use it more. So they sent in the robots. Or more specifically, like, uh, remote-controlled Oh, like I was going to say, machines. so this, this is kind of like Fallout 4. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remotely-controlled machinery. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, robot. Yeah. So... Unfortunately, not an autonomous robot. No, 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 and not robots like we have now. This <clears throat> no. is like thirty-two years ago, but unfortunately, this even this machinery couldn't stand up to the conditions inside I the core. Do, okay, I do know a little bit about this. Yes. Okay, I, I I see where this. I think I know where this is going. So but. machines failed, so they had to go back to humans. Mm-hmm. So enter. The Chernobyl Liquidators. Have you ever heard of the Chernobyl Liquidators? That'd be a fucking great name for a sports Bad team. Bad-ass name. Yes! <laughs> oh, my God! I think you just came up with the perfect sports team in the Liquidators. Yes. Um, yes, that would be amazing. But, so, the, the idea was... It would was, have to be a hockey team. <laughs> okay. It, it just would. Okay. And we're talking about Russia. Oh, oh okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, maybe a, a, a curling team? The liquid. Oh, yeah, I'll go with that, too. Yeah. <laughs> sweep! Sweep! Yeah. It's the sweepers versus the liquidators. <laughs> to the death. <laughs> so, anyway, these were people who theoretically, and we'll get into this in a little bit, were decked out in full-blown, like, heavy protective shit because they knew they were being exposed to radiation. Um, and they were only, they were military reservists. Mm-hmm. So this was a military position, um, and most of them, because they were reservists, were in, like, their 30s or 40s, so just a little demo information about them, but um, they could only work up to 40 seconds at a time before they had to come out of the site, because otherwise, here or no, they would yeah. have too much exposure to radiation, exactly. And then they were... So it's exactly like a hockey team. <laughs> yeah, I guess you, so. You work 40 seconds at a I time. so. But then... You were only allowed to work once, and oh then you were God. out. Okay, so that's not like a hockey team. Right, except... You see those guys again. Yeah, except, unfortunately, many of them were act- actually able to go back in like five or six times. So already off the bat, some of them are getting to like more radiation exposure than the safety regulations are supposed to allow. Well, how many liquidators could there possibly be? You're only in there 40? hundred Thousand people were registered Holy as shit. liquidators. Okay, yes. All right. that's a pretty deep bench. In 1986 and 1987, so the basically the second half of '86 and all of '87, a total of 240,000 people worked as liquidators in Chernobyl. 
Um, so there was an estimated grand total of around 300 to 350,000 people who worked through 1989 That's fucking as liquidators. Crazy. But some estimates, again, this is where like the, well, what's our estimate, what's our best guess sort of thing comes in. Some estimates have it as high as 800,000 to a million people. Well, I'm just thinking, let, well, just to simplify the math, let's say they were working a minute at a time. Okay. Okay. So now, now, but here's the thing. I don't know that our math assumptions are right. I couldn't figure out whether it was 40 seconds at a time, come back, go back in, and you could only work one day, or if it's you could only work 40 seconds, period. I'm just talking the overall number. Just to simplify the math. I know, just, but, I'm just, saying just they, me... but I'm saying they may have been able to work sure. more than 40 seconds p- total. Sure. I'm just saying, for simple math sakes, okay, you can work one minute, okay? There's 60 minutes in an hour. It's 24 hours in a day, so 24 times 60. I can't do that math. But but that's how you'd have to. And then we're talking they worked all the way till when? 1989. Okay. But here's the thing. What I'm saying is they didn't necessarily work around the clock. Sure. They may have been able to go in for 40 seconds at a time for one eight-hour shift, and then they couldn't work anymore. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure. not saying they could only work for 40 seconds, period, ever. Although initially that's what it was supposed to be. No, I'm saying I couldn't figure out based on the wording if that was the case. They could only work 40 seconds at a time. Sure. But I don't know if that was like just for one day or if it was 40 seconds ever period and then you're done. I'm not sure. It wasn't super clear. So doing the math would be really hard to extrapolate because there's there's a few too many unknowns. But yeah, hundreds of thousands make sense, you know, right? Now, an estimated 7% of these liquidators ended up, no shock, receiving high doses of radiation and ended up having long-term radiation-related health issues. Oh, yeah. And some also suffered from PTSD. Uh, yeah. Um, The possible numbers of liquidators who died is a very hot point of contention and controversy. Um, The Liquidators Labor Union claimed that 25,000 of them died. They had a labor union in Russia? Apparently. Wow. Or Or actually in the USSR? A union that represented them, maybe not unions such as it were. I don't know. That's interesting. At any rate, they they claim that 25,000 liquidators died. But just to give you a, a hint of the end, like most estimates of how many people died in as a direct result of Chernobyl period is lower than that. So sure. So that's probably not likely that that many people Be, died. Because that because again those estimates are coming from the well no no, no. this government. is this is from um, so spoiler alert it's around four thousand is the estimate. Oh, yeah, that's that's complete bullshit. No, 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 This is the international community well after the fact, well after the fall of the USSR coming up with that number. That does not necessarily mean indirect deaths, like cancers developed later, etc. That's just from, like, the radioactivity, I think. Okay. So, anyway, we'll get into that next week, but... Anyway, it's generally agreed upon that the liquidators, regardless, worked under really bad conditions... Didn't necessarily all have have the productive gear they were supposed to. And very few of them really understood the the scope of the disaster that they were dealing with and the the risk of the radiation that they were being put under. So most of them were exposed to extremely unsafe levels of radiation, and it's it's almost certain that at least some of them died of radiation exposure, whether it was 25,000 or not, whatever. At least one... Chernobyl liquidator died. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> At least that one. would be yes, that I'd say that would be an accurate <laughs> yeah. statement. One of them died. 
Now, one of the major concerns during cleanup was the theory that somehow... This, this seems really stupid to me, but... Initially, they thought the reactor might start up again. What? <laughs> and, and basically that there might become another unchained or uncontrolled chain reaction. I don't know. That doesn't... The thing exploded. Like, how's it going to start doing its job again? It doesn't make sense. So, I don't know. That doesn't make sense, but that's just me, baby. But maybe it was an abundance of caution or an irrational fear. Well, yeah. Again, some, given the, the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. yeah. Regardless... They wanted to make sure that the site wouldn't just suddenly start up again and, and start leaching more radiation and everything, or exploding more radiation. So enter the sarcophagus. I know you know about the sarcophagus. I do, yes. yes. I've been waiting for you to get to this part. Yeah. Yes. So, the Chernobyl Nuclear Power Plant Sarcophagus, also called a shelter object, was basically a giant exo-building Sure. built around... The p- building four. It's like an exoskeleton for a building. Yes. Yeah. Um, to contain the building of the Chernobyl plant yeah. where the reactor was. What happened to these poor fuckers? Well, remember, we're going to get into long-term effects next Sure. Week. This is just the basics of all this stuff, so. this um, is. But this is one of the few things, like, again, I saw this documentary so long ago, but mm-hmm. this is one of the few things I remember about it is okay. they threw these poor fuckers into this mix. Well, yes. So, um... It was a huge... It's considered one of the biggest civil engineering projects ever undertaken. Um, And it started just a few weeks after the meltdown and was finished by November of that year. So from June to November, it was when it was being built. It took massive amounts of concrete. Like, they they listed the tonnage, and I was like, that is just such a big number, it doesn't even make sense. Like, it doesn't... There's no scope, there's no scale. I didn't, uh, but okay. I did put that it took 7,300 tons of metal framework Holy to construct, fuck. so that was just the metal. And then how's that all in a huge amount of concrete? Yeah. yeah. And, um, now, ironic side note, during the construction of the sarcophagus, a helicopter accidentally took out a construction cable and crashed near the building, killing f- the four people on board. Oh, so, shit. Okay. Ancillary tragedy there. So in December... After the construction had been completed, a remote-controlled camera that was used to explore inside the sarcophagus discovered a mass in the basement of the building that was a couple of yards wide and weighed hundreds of tons. It was highly radioactive. The concrete underneath it was almost boiling hot. It was steaming hot. Well, sure, yeah. yeah. Um, Nevertheless, it was then determined that okay, this thing isn't going to explode again. This is a bunch of radioactive shit, but it's not going to explode. That was when they realized, okay. But in all fairness, the sarcophagus served a dual purpose. It wasn't just so that there wouldn't be another explosion, if that was still possible, but to contain the radiation itself. Well, that's I think that was the main purpose uh, of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah basically, I, it may not have been the initial like triggering of right. what to do, but yeah, obviously it served that purpose. Now, yes... Which we might might get into more next week. I don't know. I haven't done next week's <laughs> research yet, but um, we will have a show next week, people. Yes, we will. Damn come, it, we've been doing or, come hell or high water. We've been melon. doing goddamn good for a year now, every single week. Anyway, um, and this okay. What was I saying? Oh, as to um, the health of the workers who were constructing the sarcophagus. Yeah, yeah. they were exposed to all sorts oh, of shit. Fuck yeah. 
scientists who work on worked yeah. on it were exposed to all sorts of shit. So yes, basically anyone who worked at any point at this site was exposed. Badly to, yeah, to massive, massive amounts levels. Of, of radiation. Yes, that's very true. So, almost done. We can make it for this episode. Are you talking, are you talking to me or the listeners? I'm talking to me. Oh, <laughs> talking to yourself. <laughs> yes. Um, so, of course, there was zero chance of this incident not getting this shit investigated out of it. So, now let's talk about the investigations. Specifically... The Interna- International Atomic Energy-, Energy Agency formed INSAG, the International Nuclear Safety <laughs> Advisory Group. Just because they needed another acronym. Yes, exactly. You know how organizations oh, love I, an acronym. Yes. So INSAG. INSAG. So they put out a report in 1986 called INSAG-1 that claimed that the meltdown was basically... All human error. The plant operators. Okay. Fault. Okay. However, which is what we kind of already knew. But, yes and no. However, by official. 1992, a revised report uh-huh. in SAG Seven was issued, citing that there was a lot of problems with that first report. A lot of information was ignored, and and not yeah. taken into well, account, and a lot of things. So again, look who you're dealing with. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You know. So I'm sure there was. What are you going to believe? What are you not going to believe? What are you going to put in? What can you actually justify? Sure. What can you actually prove? Right. So the conclusion that they reached was, yes, human factors, which we discussed last week, the decision-making process and everything, certainly triggered, contributed heavily, a lot of other terms you could use. um, Trigger warning. To the meltdown for everything possible. Um, but the the main reasons they concluded that the meltdown occurred had more to do with the re- the construction of the reactor itself. Oh, okay. Because well, this was the newest one. Yes, it was. The reactor four. It was yes. only three years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the flaws that they pointed out, remember the control rods that mm-hmm. we talked about yeah. last week? Um, and the displacement of water, mm-hmm. which led to the, the back and, f- well, contributed to the back and forth of the power up, power down cycle. It was, yeah, it was everything they tried led to a new problem, yes. led to a new problem, yes. led to a new problem. Well, that design in and of itself was considered a flaw. Okay. That, con- that contributed heavily to it. So they were, they were basically saying, yes, lots of human error was made. But this equipment was not perfect either. Sure. And this equipment played a heavier role than just dismissing this all as human error. Sure. Okay. There's also... I did not... I'm just going to ask, did they not build it exactly like the three other reactors? Or was this like some sort of new design? So here's the thing. There is so much shit out there about Chernobyl (laughs) that I cannot even like read a trillionth of it. I... I actually, there was a whole thing that I saw on, like, whether it was built to spec or, um, like, if the Soviets did this or that with it. Whether the Illuminati and the Bilderbergs (laughs) were involved? No, maybe not quite that. That'd be Alex Jones' take on it. Right. Maybe not that conspiracy theorist, but just so did they, didn't they? That sure. I was like, this is almost useless to delve into because we d- it'd be all speculation. Sure, and just, it's fine to just brush over it. I was just yeah. curious. Yeah. yeah, so anyway. But something that was pointed out in the report... And I, and I know Teddy was curious, too. I'm looking at Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, 
but in INSEG 7, they specifically cited, quote, a general lack of safety culture in nuclear matters at the national level as well as locally, end quote. So they're like, yes, maybe people were at fault here, but it's because you motherfuckers didn't... Didn't really care. Yeah, you didn't train them otherwise. (laughs) Yeah. So the lack of safety culture was, was the thing. And they also said, quote, most reprehensibly... Unapproved changes in the test procedure were deliberately made on the oh, spot. Oh, yeah. That? Yes, that's right. Although the plant was known to be in a very different condition from that intended for the test, end quote. So, in other words, this test was fucked, which we went over all last mm-hmm. week, right? So, yeah. They, 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 they probably shouldn't have been doing it. And right under yeah. the conditions that they did. They probably yeah. should have given it up for then. Right. Tried again with more... Also, they probably should have gotten the approval of all the people the, the, they were supposed the to. The actual approval. Yes. Not, Not just, just as the plant manager, yeah. but like of the, the engineer, designer, just and like all a, that. And Sergey said it was okay. Right? Yeah, that's basically what it came down to. Sergey right? and Yuri, they said it was fine. Yeah. Let's do it. So we're going to get more into the long-term effects, the aftermath of Chernobyl next week. But I'm just going to kind of close this week out with giving us a sense of the scope of the fallout. From Chernobyl here. So... Here's the scope. A fucking huge mega disaster. Yes. So anyway, as I mentioned, the way that the USSR got outed about Chernobyl in the first place was because of Sweden. Because hundreds of miles away, they were detecting radiation. So the shit obviously got into the atmosphere. So the radioactivity was traveling in a radioactive cloud which spread over Ukraine, Russia, Belarus, most of Europe, and was detected as far away as, oh, Canada. Eh? Oh, yeah. Damn. So here's that picture I was holding up showing you. I grew up... uh, Okay, oh. That dark bit... Oh, my God. ...is the initial radiation. The initial, not the... Or the the biggest concentration of radioactivity. Fuck. Yeah. So it, it um, looks like it looks like you just spilled coffee over I a know, map right? of uh, <laughs> Europe and Asia, but yeah. no, that's not spilled coffee. It's a fucking death cloud. Interestingly, and this must be because of air currents and stuff. It travels oh, sure. south and then west and then back north again, with like a finger going towards Sweden and the rest kind of. It looks like what's left of Jason Pierre Paul's hand after the dumb motherfucker lit a, uh, had a firework. That's a football player, right? Blow up in it, yes. That's a very obscure but adorable joke. New York Giants fans, if there are any listening, will get it. (laughs) But yes, this cloud looks like Jason Pierre-Paul's left hand now. Okay. Um, And it's it's headed right for Iceland, those poor bastards. (laughs) Well, so interestingly, you see where it's covering over France a bit, like about half of France? um, Yeah. Here's, so, for any French listeners, we love you, or je t'aime, but... uh, uh, Je m'appelle David. <laughs> Je suis la juvie. I don't know what that means. I shouldn't have said that. I just remember I that from something. some old... Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, the French government claimed that the cloud stopped at the Italian border. <laughs> they didn't have any effects. Oh, yeah. Bullshit. <laughs> it just seems like the most arrogant <laughs> French thing to say. You know, I don't know. The, wh- the funny thing... French friends. I'm how sure do you... Uh, we're arrogant, obviously. Because I want people to see this, too, if they're curious. How do you look this up? Uh, like, radioactive like, cloud Chernobyl. Google it. Look at the image search. Because he, this is a screenshot from a video. Sure. Be, but here's the funniest thing. It... 
in on either coast, it almost completely avoids Norway. I know. Where, isn't where that it so should, strange? Where it should be, where Norway should be, right in the thick of the shit. It's like no, we can't touch Norway. Uh, it must That's have been funny. what it was thinking. Yes. <laughs> so it did spread irregularly because of atmospheric God. conditions and weather. So it wasn't like all equal. Fucking Greece completely enveloped. Estimates were that as far as the actual radioactiv- radioactivity goes. Belarus actually got the brunt of it because, you, um, well, look. That's interesting. Because it's right on the border with Chernobyl. It was right there. So the the worst of the radioactivity. Oh, of the, uh, I see what you mean, yeah. Yeah, because we're not talking like this is all massive amounts of radiation. No. They're not necessarily. It's, it's, it's different concentrations all over. But the massive amount is this thing right here, I'm In guessing. Belarus, yes, yeah. exactly. It's estimated that Belarus got 60% of the radiation that ended up in the USSR. Jesus. So, which the USSR probably ended up with most of the radiation overall. So, Belarus is really the biggest victim, basically, of, of the radioactivity. And remember, if you are looking this up, um, that... Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Belarus, Ukraine, Kazakhstan, those were all part of the USSR at the time, and they were not individual countries. Well, right, this is a modern map, yeah. of course, yeah. Um, oh, at man, large... What a, f- what a fucking shit show. At large, shortly after the meltdown, 203 people were hospitalized and 31 people died. So now our body count is up to 33 Confirmed. 33 and, confirmed deaths. And we're going to move on, obviously, oh, yeah. to many more later. But as for exactly what was in that radioactive cloud, it was estimated that 5 to 30%, so a huge, there's a huge range estimate here, of the radioactive material in Reactor 4 escaped during the meltdown. So on the, on the best case scenario, 95% of it stayed contained. Worst case, 30% got out. In tonnage, that's between 9 and 57 metric tons of radioactive material. So at best, 9 tons of radioactive shit escaped out in the Yeah, I don't know exactly how to measure a metric ton. It's just... It's, it's a, a lot. ton. It's a, it's a <laughs> There's a reason we say a ton, right? Oh, you oh you said metric ton. That's the same thing? No, no, no. I, I just mean that, like, ton is amount, is a large oh, amount. Oh, you know, like, well, it's yes. just a, we use the term a ton for, or a metric yeah. shit ton for a reason. Yeah, it's a the, lot. It's actually the perfect name for this. <laughs> yes. Thing that's hanging over. And uh, it basically just poofed out into the atmosphere. Gosh, what a, what a fucking disaster. Okay. And that's where we're going to stop for this week. Obviously, the implications of Chernobyl reach much farther than what we talked about today. So next week, we will discuss the long-term effects of the meltdown in part four of our Megasode, Legacy. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) You forgot the cats were sleeping. I dramatically whipped the page down on the bed, and Demetrius took it rather well, but poor Jesse flipped out. Sorry, Jesse. Come here. You can come sit on the paper. You like sitting on paper. You like sitting on whatever. You like sitting on things. Come sit on the paper. He's like, why'd you do that? I was deep asleep. I'm never deep asleep. Oh, but he's... But look at this. He's gonna come sit. He is gonna come sit on the paper. He's gonna come sit on the paper. Anyway, so that is the fallout. Initial fallout. Scratching the surface fallout. Yeah, and we're still in uh, we're still in 86, 87 for the most part. Yeah, I mean, we talked about the cleanup efforts through 89, but yeah, this is mostly the immediate effects. Yeah, we, I'm very, 
I see. I'm trying not to watch stuff about this because uh-huh. I like I like to learn as I go. Mm-hmm. But I I think tonight at some point I'm I will be buzzed enough to be like I have to find that fucking documentary I watched. <laughs> I, I will find it on YouTube. So I'm yeah. sure it's on YouTube mm-hmm. somewhere because I saw it like. Was it like a Frontline or something? I, 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 I think, think I think one. it was an HBO one. Oh, okay. Um. And it was it was a while ago. Like I remember, I'm pretty sure I was living in South Carolina when I saw it. So it was oh, a long time ago. Yeah. But uh, but I but the the main thing I remember is them building that sarcophagus. Yeah. And that those were mo- that was mostly Russian military. Um, oh. If I remember correctly, but that but that those that guys but it. that those guys just got fried. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's see that's the thing that I, that really started frustrating me this week when I was doing research is the scope of information because of the scope of this tragedy and because it's not isolated. If I were doing a four-part series on the Titanic or on, um, you know, something that happened in a very specific location to a very specific group of people, those are easier to concentrate on. Those are easier to distill than something like this. This is such a scope. I mean, if we wanted to, we could do a 20-part series on this. Sure. So there will inevitably be massive amounts of information that I will not. What's the documentarian? Ken Burns. Yeah, I'm sure Ken Burns. (laughs) (laughs) Right? His 20-part series on Chernobyl. He's probably got it out there somewhere. Yeah. So, so yes, there, there's going to be lots of stuff I missed. Feel free to reach out. Like, put, put shit up on our wall in Facebook. Like, oh, did you guys know whatever, whatever? Yeah, like, honestly, put up there's whatever so much information. Fact, yeah, yeah, that you can think of. Whatever we missed or mm-hmm. whatever we didn't yeah, delve into or, deep or, enough. Yeah, exactly. Feel free to share your thoughts. Some people... Um, if you some, want to build a sarcophagus in your backyard, <laughs> please don't do that. that please don't do that. It's such a waste. Um <laughs> You never, you, have know. you never know. You never know. In your backyard. <laughs> but, um, uh, so something I know, I actually wouldn't mind getting everybody's opinion on. Some people have like a, um, a discussion group for their podcast and stuff. I, I'm old, I guess, because I don't quite get the purpose of it other than like, well, if you want to say something, just put it on our Facebook wall, right? But I don't know what the difference between that. Oh, yep. Jesse's playing with the paper. Between that and um, a discussion group is. So if you guys want a discussion group on Facebook, Jesse, you can sit on the paper. Don't claw the paper. Here, just take one. Just take one. This is the one that scared you. Um, if, if you guys specifically want a discussion group and feel that that would be helpful, let me know. We can always set one up. I just don't understand it. I'm not... I- it sounds like a like live tweeting kind of. I, I don't know, but I don't know. I don't. I don't know I, how like it works I said, either. I don't get it. We're yeah. we're too old for it. Yeah. We're too old I'm, for this uh, shit. I'm way too old for it. <laughs> I'm still technically a millennial, so yeah. I'm I'm on the back end of the Generation X. Yeah. So all this internet, internet and fancy things didn't <laughs> didn't come out until I was pretty much already an adult. Yeah. So well, and I didn't have the social meets when I was a kid. No, thank God. Not at all. Yeah, I, I, I'm I really glad I didn't have any of this technology growing up because yeah. uh, for all the good it's brought, like you could easily make an argument in either case that either the internet is the greatest thing ever created or the, or worst. the worst. It's, it's and and you would have on the spectrum. You would have a valid valid argument on either side. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, Jesse is starting to destroy my research on the paper, so that probably means we should go. Yeah. 
probably means we should just get destroyed and have a couple more beverages. Sounds good to me. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Well, this has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week. Send us beer.